listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Today's topic is devotion, own the moment of devotion, or I would say own the moment, be devoted in that moment. Um, and, it, and it has, you know, devotion at least has a lot to do with our habits. Is devotion something that's part of our habits? But also it has to do with our heart because devotion requires really, the, the word itself implies it, this passionate um, uh, direction that your heart has towards something, and therefore habits follow. I think as human beings, we struggle with habits in general. The truth is we struggle to form habits. But we know that habits really, though they can be tedious, they are, in a lot of senses, the, the way to achieve a desired result that you want. You know, something that seems hard that you know, it could be in all ranges of life, right? But something that seems hard that you want to achieve, but you know that if you take up the right habits, you can get that result. I remember as a kid, you know, I, I it, you know, if you've heard me talk here before, you know that I love basketball. And growing up, I really loved to play basketball. And I wanted to emulate uh, all of the, all of the superstars that I would follow in the NBA growing up and uh, and I wanted to do all the cool little tricks, not just like the basics. Like, of course, I got the basics out of the way, uh, you know, playing in Little League and uh, playing in, uh, in junior high basketball. Like, I got all the fundamentals down, dribbling, shooting, passing the ball, uh, doing bounce passes, like all the little fundamentals, how to pivot, uh, you know, do, basically how to have good footwork. All these little details, but then there were other things, right? There were some players would do flashy things with the ball, and you wanted, you want, at least if you were me, you wanted to be able to do those things. And so, for example, uh, I would always love seeing when players could like spin the ball on one fingertip. Uh, JP, can you pass the ball? <laughs> so I, I always wanted to be able to do that, right? And uh, I'm not perfect at it, but I practiced it a lot as a child. It might not work on the first try, but here it goes. Thank you, JP. <laughs> it wasn't to impress you. It wasn't, really. I mean, that is useless if I can't hit a jump shot, right? That, that, that's just a flash. But the point was, as a, as a kid, I saw that, and I was like, oh, man, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to switch fingers. I, w I wanted to eventually be able to do it on my foot, but I, I got lazy. I didn't do the habits that were necessary for me to practice doing it on one foot. Um, but I knew that that's what it takes. I remember also in the 90s, you know, Michael Jordan was like a big deal between the 80s and 90s. Like he, he was like, he was the guy that everyone, basically the, the motto would be on Gatorade and Nike commercials, I'd like to be like Mike. I think it was Gatorade actually. I'd like to be like Mike. And there was this little song that everyone would sing. Everyone wanted to be like Michael Jordan, right, back then. Um, and, uh, and here's the crazy part. Everyone wanted to be like Mike, but no one really dared to take 
the habits. No one really actually followed through except for one guy, Kobe Bryant. He noticed coming into the league that no one was following the work ethic that Michael Jordan had. But he knew Michael Jordan wasn't like any particular freak of nature that was suddenly planted here with God-given basketball skills that were beyond. Of course, he was given physical skills by God, and he was given motor skills and all that. He definitely was given gifts by God, but he had to develop them through habit. And so Kobe Bryant said, oh, no wonder Michael Jordan has six rings. I'm just I'm going to outwork everyone else. This is going to be easy. He literally said that in an interview, that that was his approach. And so he did that. That's what the so-called Mamba mentality that Kobe Bryant had uh, is. It's that, that relentlessness to, to become more than you currently are. And so he would develop these crazy habits from sleeping habits to jump shot habits. He would do all sorts of crazy things just to reach that goal of becoming that much better. And we struggle now. We, of course, we're not trying to be basketball superstars. I'm no longer. I'm no longer aspiring to that, <laughs> right? Um, but we do have aspirations within our lives, spiritual aspirations, in fact. We have aspirations for diet. We have aspirations for, uh, for finances. We have aspirations for our marriages, for our kids. We have all sorts of aspirations. And we know that for a lot of them, what comes with it to get there is habits. But we struggle to form habits. Habits are really hard for us to form. And, and here's the truth. You may not think that you have habits. Maybe you struggle with it. You know, you do your New Year's resolution and you never follow through with them. And you may think you don't have habits. But here's the thing that blew my mind in a book that I was reading we all have daily habits. We all have them, whether we're aware of it or not. In his, in, in his book, Justin Whitmill uh, Early reminds us, the, the name of the book, by the way, is The Common Rule, Habits of Purpose. Uh, he reminds us that you and I are defined by small daily routines that shape us after days, weeks, and months, and years of repeating. We all have them. We may actually struggle to form the habits we want, but we have habits. How we get out of bed. Do we make coffee before we do this? Uh, getting the kids ready for school. Radio or no radio on the way to work or on the way to take your kids to school. News. Social media. When do you get on social media every day? If you try to log it down, you're going to notice you have habits every day, and they are quite repetitive, right? You have a preferred chair in your house where you might sit. You have a certain time of the day where you, you know, you decide to, to, to get coffee, not just in the morning, and that, at that time of the day, you get that coffee. Whether you're aware of it or not, you might have not programmed it, but you do it. Our diet preferences, our habits, how we shop at the grocery store, you know, we get the same certain types of food. So we have every day these small habits that we think are not that important, but they are, they are micro habits, as Justin says in his book, micro habits that have macro implications in our lives. That's what's crazy. That's what's almost dangerous, but also what's good could be dangerous and it could be good. Because if we don't really think about the daily habits that we have, we can end up becoming a certain type of person. 
We don't really think about these habits we do every day. And more importantly, we don't think about them as character-forming character habits, but they are. That's, that's what's crazy. They are character-forming habits. So here's what Justin says. I think this is going to be on the screen. On the screen, excuse me. Justin says that we have a common problem. We have a common problem. By ignoring the way habits shape us, we've assimilated to a hidden rule of life, the American rule of life. This rigorous program of habits, check this out, forms us in all the anxiety, consumerism, injustice, and vanity that are so typical of the contemporary life. Crazy. Small little habits that we do every day are shaping that. Let me, let me just read that again because it, it's really profound. Small habits, right? By ignoring the way these small habits shape us, we've assimilated to a hidden rule of life, the American rule of life. This rigorous program of habits forms us in all anxiety, consumerism, injustice, and vanity that are so typical of the contemporary life. And so he goes on to say, it's important that we recover the wisdom of crafting gospel-based rule of life or gospel-based habits as a new norm for living as a Christian in America today. You know, what's crazy is that paying all of our attention to the message of Jesus while ignoring his practice has not only led people into devastating life crises, it has also created a, a country of Christians whose practical lives are divorced from their actual faith. That's crazy. How else do we explain a country of Christians who preach a radical gospel of Jesus while assimilating to the usual contours of American life? You know, habits shape the heart. They do. And we have them. We may struggle to form other ones, but we have habits. Now, what's interesting, though, is that habits kind of exhibit what we worship. Now it's getting deeper. Habits illustrate what we worship. You know, the definition of a liturgy, for example, is a pattern of words or actions repeated regularly as a way of worship. I grew up Catholic, so I'm used to liturgy. Right? A repetition of words or actions repeated regularly as a way of worship. So that's a habit. But here's what's interesting. The goal of a liturgy is for the participant to be formed in a certain way. Liturgy actually admits that it's an act of worship. Our habits, in a sense, are also an act of worship. Listen to Psalm 135, verses 15 through 18. Listen to Psalm 135, verses 15 through 18. The problem is, by the way, as we look at this passage, is that a lot of our habits that are unchecked are, in a sense, idols. The, the center of what they are, are are idols, whether it's wealth accumulation, whether it's fear of control or wanting to control situations. They're idols, in a sense. And so Psalm 135 tells us in verse 15, the idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak. They have ears, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. So we become 
any idolatrous habits that we have, we become those. That verse 18 is essential for us to understand when we do have these small idols in our life to which our habits are, our unchecked habits are geared towards, we're becoming like those idols. Now, of course, what would we like? What we would like is to be the type of people that love our neighbor and love our God beyond everything. And Justin tells us in his book that only when your habits are constructed to match your worldview do you become someone who doesn't just know about God and neighbor, but someone who actually loves God and neighbor. Let me say that again. Only when your habits are constructed to match your heart, right, your authentic worldview, do you become someone who doesn't just know about God and neighbor, but someone who actually loves God and neighbor. And so this kind of, co not coincidentally, but of course how God operates in our lives. I was doing a Bible, a Bible study with students at CBU uh, where I work, and uh, we were studying Acts 2.42. And this is where we pick up the word devotion and how we tie it into habits. Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, right? This is the disciples, the early church, the first group of believers right after the apostles and the disciples, the, those that had walked with Jesus, the first group that become saved, this is who they're talking about along with the apostles. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Devoted. That means they had these habits, right? If I'm devoted to the apostles' teaching, that means reading the word of God and letting it shape me is something not just that I do every day, but that I'm devoted to, both in heart and in action. If I'm devoted to fellowship, fellowship is something that I'm devoted in heart and in action. I desire fellowship for my own growth, but I also follow through with action. I follow certain habits that would lead to fruitful fellowship. I have to have the habits. The same with prayer and the breaking of bread. What's interesting is this word devotion, right? It could be thought of as love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. But I read another translation in studying with my students. Some of the students, th this translation I have and on the screen is ESV. But other students had other translations, and I think the, one of them was King James or New King James. And instead of devotion or devoted themselves, it's, it uses the word steadfast. And that's what grabbed my attention. One of the translations uses the word steadfast. Steadfast is how God's love is described for us. And what we're told by theologians is that steadfast is essentially unconditional. Now, think about that. God's love for you is unconditional. We know this. On the cross, he displayed that. Jesus took the penalty for us in our place, and because of that, now we're forgiven. And God's love didn't depend on how we behaved. On the contrary, it was unconditional. It was conditionless on your life. It had nothing to do with what you did or didn't do. God loved you so much, so unconditionally, that all the conditions were satisfied in Jesus. 
He loved you so unconditionally that all the conditions were satisfied in Jesus. And so the question that came to mind when I was studying with my students was, if the same word is used to describe how committed I am to church, to, to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread and, and the prayers, am I as unconditionally devoted to those things as God is unconditionally devoted to me? Let me ask that again because it really hit me when I asked myself this question. I don't think it was me. I think it was God uh, revealing through his word, speaking. His word is living and active. It's speaking into my heart, x-raying its way into my heart. Do I have the same commitment to apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers that God has to me? Are those things as unconditional as God's love for me? Am I as unconditionally committed to prayer, to Bible, to, or to, to connecting with others as unconditionally as God loves me? Because God loves me no matter what my sins are. And because of that, he followed through with action. Now, I got to be very careful here because this could quickly turn into legalism, right? It's not about, well, how many, what, how many minutes did you spend in prayer today? That's where it gets dangerous. Legalism, legalism is when we try to prescribe what works for us to others. You know, you shouldn't be watching that movie because I struggle with things when I watch that movie. So you shouldn't be struggling with that or you shouldn't be watching that. So legalism that, that's where it gets dangerous. So this, this sermon is not about telling you a specific set of habits that you should follow. That's legalism, right? Spend 30 minutes in the Word in the morning, then in, at lunch make sure that you read a psalm, and then if you don't do that, you're in trouble. Like It's not looking good for you. That's legalism. But the point is to develop Habits that replace the unchecked habits that we have right now that are worshiping other things that aren't God. We have habits every day from what we listen to on our podcasts, on our way to work. We have habits. Can we form habits that are devoted to God? Psalm 5-7 says, But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, again, unconditional, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. I can come to God because God's unconditional love wasn't just a, a, a feeling. He gave his son so that I can come into his house. Out of the abundance of God's unconditional love for me, he took action. And so I, we can prescribe habits to us all day, but if they're not con connected to the emotion that comes into having a relationship with God, then they're meaningless. And so the same is true here. God sent his son, not just because he has to do this, no, because he loves you unconditionally. So when I pick up a habit, I am not picking a habit because it, that's the trick, that's the spell, that's the gimmick that works, that's the program of life that works. I'm picking up the habit because behind it is a heart that wants to worship God. Amen. That's what we're looking for. And so when I look at 
how God's steadfast, how is his unconditional habit towards me, his unconditional love led him to do the most amazing act of love. Devotion to someone should cause devotion to habits. That's the idea. My devotion to God should cause devotion or have devotion to habits towards God. Devotion to, sh- to someone, whether it's my spouse or, or a neighbor, my devotion to a person should lead me to action. God didn't just scream, I loved you. He did it. He loved me in that act. So I got to follow through with habits. Again, don't think this is about legalism. Don't think this is about prescribing a specific way in which you do this. The key question that I'm struggling with asking myself is, is tomorrow Monday, is God going to be the center of my day tomorrow? And my habits will exhibit whether God was the center of my day tomorrow or not. Did I do everything for his glory? Did I do everything with fearlessness or with fear because I, I, I don't trust in God and often I end up trusting just in myself? So I want to ask myself, is God the center of everything I do, the way I interact with my wife, the way I work, the way I plan, the way I schedule things? See, devotion again to someone should cause devotion to habits. That's why Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Again, don't disconnect the habit, the practice, whatever it is that you, whatever your praxis is every day, don't disconnect that from the root emotion that causes it. (laughs) Right? Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me. It is tied to it. It, it, The cause of my habit is my love for Jesus. The cause of my habit. And so we need to reprogram ourselves, right? We're not doing the habits because we have to. We're doing the habits because we're supposed to want to, right? We're supposed to want to do these things. I love Jesus, and that's why I want to keep commandments, not out of fear, but out of love. So I want to do habits towards God. I want to devote myself to God, not just in heart, but in practice. Because actions should follow the devotion of my heart. So I just have three suggestions on how to do this. My goal today in this little little sermon here is that, number one, that you understand that we do have habits. And that we should be aware of them. Number two, that we should have habits that exhibit our devotion to God. And now, number three, I want us to take a look at three things that can help us be devoted in action towards God. Careful, though. Don't go home thinking, if I don't do what Ricardo said, I'm messed up. No, that's legalism. (laughs) This is what works for me. This is what works for me. And so they're not going to be very specific in how I do them. They're going to be as unspecific as possible so that you can hopefully apply this principle as well. Suggestion number one, informing a habit of devotion towards God. Have solitude conversations with God. Have a moment in the day for solitude conversations with God. 
have a habit every day to have solitude conversations with God. Now, what do I mean by conversation? I want to clarify. I mean two-way, two-way conversation. That means I'm invested in the word and in prayer. Now, here's a specific about how I do it. I, I read the Bible and I pray at the same time. That's just what works for me. I'm not saying you have to do it that way. But it's what works for me because I want to be in God's presence and I, I like feeling that it's a two-way conversation. And so the other day I was reading, this is just an example, I was reading Jeremiah 6. It's not on the screen. And I was reading that it said in verse 16 of Jeremiah 6, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. And then I paused for a moment and I prayed because God just spoke to me, right? I didn't, I, I want it to be a conversation that's live. I said, God, I, I need rest for my soul. And it's because I forget the ancient paths, those habits, <laughs> those ancient paths. And I'm not finding rest because I have habits that are elsewhere. And then I keep reading. So have a conversation. Make it two-way, right? Don't think I have to pray and read the Bible tomorrow morning. Think I have to have a conversation with God. That's it. You want a conversation with God. Two-way conversation. Now, the, the word solitude, super important. That can look different for all of us. And it can look different from day to day for any of us. Sometimes for me, solitude is in the bathroom <laughs> because it's the chance that I get to have that two-way conversation. Sometimes it's in the car. But at some point, and literally, it's turn off the car, or not the car, turn off the radio. And while, yeah, I can't turn off my car while I'm driving. That would be weird. <laughs> but as I'm driving to work, turn off the radio and have a moment of solitude, a two-way conversation with God by remembering some of the passages that earlier I was reading that have spoken to me. Solitude was a big deal for Jesus. In Mark 1, verse 35, it says about Jesus, and rising very early in the morning, this is a habit he had, right? And rising very early in the morning, while it was dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. I mean, if that's what Jesus does, I need to do it. <laughs> like, if Jesus needs that, if Jesus in his man nature needs that, I need that. So whether it's in the wilderness, whether it's in a hike, whether it's in a, a, a quiet room, whether it's before everyone wakes up in the house. I remember Jeff often tells me that he gets up at like, I think it's like at 4 a.m., Jeff, or something like that, what, 5.30-ish. And he, he makes coffee and he dives into the word. That's his solitude moment. That's his habit. This, I, I don't do that. I don't get up at 5 a.m. <laughs> but that's his solitude moment. I need my solitude moment. You need your solitude moment. In Psalm 73, in Psalm 73, verses 25 and 28, it's, it, it shows us why we want to be in solitude. You can't just do the habit, right? We just saw that Jesus has a habit. But why does he have the habit of solitude conversations with God? Because God is all you and I need. In chapter 73 of Psalms, it says, Whom have I in heaven but you? 
and there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Verse 28, it says, but for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Why do we have solitude two-way conversations? Because I want to be near to God. Because there's nothing I desire more on heaven or on earth than God. Connect the habit of the solitude conversation with God to the devotion of your heart. Suggestion number two. Aside from that moment in your day that you're going to schedule, right, that solitude moment, have in-passing conversations with Jesus. Again, two-way. Have in-passing conversations with Jesus. Romans 12, verse 12 tells us to be constant in prayer. And I've, I've shared this before here, but... I, that's how a lot of us operate. We have maybe a solitude conversation with our spouse or with our child at home, but during the day we send quick texts. Hey, I miss you. I love you. We connect with that person quickly in passing. Have in passing moments with God. Don't compartmentalize your life from God. Everything that you do in your life is about God. So for me, that means when I'm about to enter a classroom and teach, God give me the grace to teach, but to point towards you in my teaching, to make it about you and not about me. That's a five-second prayer. I'm in a rush, and I say that five-second prayer. Or quickly, one habit that I have is I, every day, this is with me. My Bible is with me every day to force me to remind myself to read it. Even if I'm not planning on reading it, I carry it with me wherever I go. And so maybe I open it for a moment and I relook at my solitude moment passage there. And I sit on it for 15 seconds on to the next thing but centered in God. Have in-passing two-way conversations with Jesus. So you have a solitude moment, but you're dialoguing throughout the day, like those quick texts you send to friends and family. Suggestion number three. I think this one is the most important one, and this is where habits struggle the most. When you aren't feeling it, make your conversation about that. When you aren't feeling like praying and like reading the Bible... Make your conversation with God about that. The, the psalmist often would point us to this. Whether it's David or some other psalmist, we see that our conversations can be raw and authentic and repenting of our heart's coldness is one of the best, most glorifying ways that we can pray to God. When you aren't feeling it, don't Turn away from the habit. Lead, lean into that and present it to God. And say, God, I, I'm not feeling it today. Like, I, I, I know I'm supposed to say, hallowed be thy name, or, you know, you're glorious and wonderful, you're awesome, I love you, you love me so much that you gave your only son, but I'm not feeling it today. Well, we can, we can pray. We can pray things like, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Because the problem isn't the habit. I don't feel like doing the habit today, God. My heart today is out of it. 
So I can pray, create in me a clean heart. One of the most beautiful psalms is a psalm of repentance, Psalm 51. Lean into the fact that sometimes you're not feeling it and follow into habit, making your conversation with God about that. God, in my sinfulness today, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm not connecting. I, I'm, I'm focused on other stuff. Um, you know, this, I prayed about this for years and it didn't happen. Why, why did that happen? Why did that not happen? Or whatever it is. I'm not feeling it today. Make your conversation about that. That's what the psalmist would do often. We can do that. Psalm 119, 176, another example of how to pray and make your conversation about when you're not feeling it. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Look, I've, I don't forget the habits that I'm supposed to do, but seek me because right now I've gone astray. I've gone astray. In this moment where I'm supposed to be wanting you, God, I don't want you. I've gone astray. Make the conversation about your weakness, about your lack of wanting to do the devotion. As the band comes back up, I want to reiterate some things as we kind of review what we've done here. I want to reiterate that, again, these suggestions that I gave you are not... Don't let them become legalism. They're not the recipe. They're not the gimmick. They're not the spell. They're not the way that you make your spiritual life and your devotion in your spiritual life more fruitful. They're not. It's not about a program. The key point before those suggestions is the following. If I'm devoted to God in my heart, I should be devoted to God in action. The key question we asked at the beginning, am I as devoted to habits of grace as God is unconditionally devoted to me? I want to be as devoted to seeking God through habits as God was devoted, not just in emotional love, but in action love. He followed through from the center of the love and affection that he had towards us, which is unconditional. Despite our sin, he took action. May we take action in forming habits. May our habits not be idols towards other things and assumptions and fears and frustrations, but may they be directed towards worshiping God. And here's the thing. We have to own the moment. We can't do this in a week. We can't do this in two weeks. We can't do this next year. I'll make more time for my devotion habits. We got to do it now. Own the moment. Because we, we constantly push back. We procrastinate our spiritual habits. It's time to own the moment and to say, God, my actions are going to follow from the abundance of the love that I have to you. So I'm going to be devoted. I'm devoted in heart, but may I be devoted in action so that I may get more of you. Because who have I in heaven or on earth but you? Let's pray. Father, we, we recognize that we, we struggle to follow through with our love for you. We love you. 
for a lot of us that are Christians in the room, we came to know you because your love so just humbled us and and made us feel so welcome despite knowing that we didn't deserve it. And we rejoiced in the Lord because of your love, your unconditional love. But maybe we've grown cold. Maybe our habits are still centered around the American way of life. And we want to center ourselves around you. We want to have habits that reconnect us back to you. It's not about a formula. It's about wanting you. It's about taking actions that match the devotion of our heart. Father, we pray that you would, we know we can't do this without you. That's the thing, Father. We can't do this without you. And we pray that with the power of the Holy Spirit, in the power of newness of life, that we would put on the new self, that we would walk by the Spirit, that we would have fruit that matches the devotion of our heart. Holy Spirit, renew us, renew our minds, create in us a clean heart. May we show our devotion to you through our actions, through habits, through daily routines that connect with you because we know we are nothing without you. As the ushers come forth, Father, we pray that giving would not be a routine habit, Father. That giving would not be a routine habit. That it would be a habit that flows from an emotion, an important emotion, which is, this is yours, and I trust in you, God. May we give with that mindset. Otherwise, it's just another repetitive action. May it be a liturgy. May we worship you by wanting to give to you because we trust you and because it's yours. May the tithes and offerings be multiplied. And may we walk away today seeking to connect to you. May we not take habits lightly. May they flow from a renewed, clean heart. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.